feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled TIFF review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, day one is done. We watched two films uh, in theaters. Usually, uh, that's a slow start for us, usually. Yeah, usually it it's to... the first day of TIFF is usually like a four or five movie day. And, and usually we do watch quite a few of them at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. Um, or Scotiabank. Time, or, yeah, Scotiabank. But I mean, in past years, when there's been films that are either Amazon or Netflix releases, because Cineplex doesn't play right. those films. Or they used to. We usually kick it off at the light box mm-hmm. and uh, this year was no exception um with a hero which you can listen to our or watch our review of that uh as well but we're not here to review uh a hero the ashkar for hottie film no 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 we are here to not sing the praises or even sing mercifully uh for the people listening or watching but we're here uh to critique the musical movie adaptation of one dear evan hansen yes the opening night film to the 2021 toronto international film festival festival um i believe the first musical since score a hockey musical (laughs) and does it does it live up to those expectations we'll let you know which one in our complete ranking of is it the only two musicals that have opened the festival well there was the music doc the u2 music doc that opened uh back in i think like 2011 or 2012 um but only one of those two films Films, score a hockey musical and dear evan hansen features olivia newton john i'll let you guess which one <laughs> cool cool um yeah like eric mentioned we are covering the entirety of the 2021 uh, toronto international film festival you can catch all of our reviews all of our coverage uh right here on untitled movie reviews on podcast services or over on the untitled youtube channel you can just search untitled movie reviews untitled tiff 21 just untitled there'll be links to everything over on our letterboxd hq which is untitled underscore movies all of our youtube videos everything will be over there but uh make sure you uh subscribe hit that notification bell all that jazz so then you get all of our tiff coverage over the next week and a half but yes today as eric mentioned we are reviewing all that st- jazz a great uh, movie <laughs> there musical. you go was that intentional no it was not uh steven chabotsky's uh dear evan hansen eric what a ride this was we um we actually rode a go train home, but uh, the movie itself. Uh, why don't you let people know what Dear Evan Hansen? I don't think is we even first. need to to, to talk about <laughs> what it is. I, I think where we need to start is when the trailer first was released. The sure. the major criticism and and partly out of context because a trailer is you know showing clips from various scenes of the film and edited in a way to you know consumers and and to market a movie so you know to give the film the benefit of the doubt you need to see it you know from beginning to end but the main sort of takeaway from the early marketing of of the movie was having ben platt who was in the stage adaptation uh reprise his role of the titular dear evan hansen uh but looking like he musicals love a good reprise yes um but looking like a 40 year old teenager um and and again this is a criticism that's come up time and time again and it won't be the last time it's speaking of olivia newton john and greece (laughs) exactly or you know beverly hills 90210 um 
even even in superhero movies, like having you know Andrew Garfield as oh forever. Peter I mean, yeah. I, you know, it, it just in movies in general, not just in TV shows like you're mentioning. Like this has been a trope, or not even a trope, but just like a, a thing that's happened in high school set movies for the longest time, and television shows. And uh, you think we'd be beyond that at this point, but um, you know, this proves us uh, uh, us wrong. And I get the reasoning there of being like, okay, he was in the stage show. He's he's very good in that show, supposedly. Um, but it, anyways, we'll get into it. <laughs> yes, you were talking. To but Trey. Matt, I think it's safe to say that Ben Platt goes splat in this performance, which mm-hmm. I don't know where to even start with this other than to say like, okay, if you've seen the movie musical or you know on when it was the broadway on broadway um or if you listen to the soundtrack and have an affinity for it you know we we don't mean to criticize your love of the material or even the film if you like the movie we're not we we never want to you know disparage or or you know be mean-spirited towards somebody that likes it especially if it connects with you on an emotional level it helps you get through something that is wonderful and that catharsis is something that i think both matt and i wish we had with the film but Mm -hmm. we're going to be critical of the movie and also we will be talking about probably some trigger warning issues that come up in the film because the movie is centered around a suicide and you know that is a very sensitive subject matter (laughs) personally speaking i've had um a family member who committed suicide so this will affect my review and how I see it from that perspective as well. And and I think that with this film or, or what you have here is a high schooler who, you know, is played by Ben Platt, Evan Hansen, uh, going through a really rough patch in his life to the point of, you know, him being on multiple medications, but being played as a caricature with the way that sort of he gestures and, and sort of his mannerisms, you see almost this weird sort of um, overly stylized performance that feels very much like you can tell Platt has a theater background, you know, he's accentuating as much as he possibly can and going over the top. And which is something we see a lot in, you know, Broadway adaptations and just stage translations to you know cinema in general i think or they go the the opposite where they're stiff and they right and like i think of someone like jonathan groth in in um mind hunters where like he oh was sure weird yeah, yeah, yeah. And stiff and felt miscast in that but then you see him in the uh uh the hamilton um recording and you're kind of like oh he's, he's so good, amazing yeah. in that yeah. and like i wish he was like that in you know, the other stuff that we've seen him in, you know, in, in, in terms of film, but here, yes, you have a very, um, it's a caricature in terms of how, uh, Evan Hansen is coping with anxiety and depression to the point where it's very distracting on top of the fact that he's caked in, uh, makeup and a wig to disguise the fact that he is not, uh, an adolescent. He is a full grown man, seven year old man. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes it more distracting when you see mm. him walking around a high school and yeah, there are other actors that are around his, his age range or maybe a little younger, but he almost looks like an SNL or mad TV, um, you know, character come to life and it never feels completely um, 
you know, authentic to the role. And it's just so distracting. And we'll talk more about that later. But the 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 plot of of this movie is literally um, Evan Hansen, you know, confronts this other kid, uh, Connor Murphy, who, you know, is is also a bit of an outcast, an outsider. And Connor's going through his own problems. He takes a note that dear Evan Hansen is, you know, writing due to therapy. He's, he's kind of getting through the day doing these sort of uh, self-written letters that, you know, is taken. And then, you know, a couple days later, we find out that Connor uh, has taken his life. And the letter that Evan wrote that Connor took from Evan uh, was on his persons at the time. And his parents uh, are the ones that have it. His mother uh, is played by uh, Amy Adams and the stepfather, um, I believe I'm blanking on the name, but he was on law and order in one of the later seasons. Right. I'm trying to think, is this, I'm trying to, which one, what was the dad's name? Oh, hold on just a second. I'm just going to look this up. Oliver. No, it is uh, Danny Pino. Danny Pino. There we go. Yeah. So Danny Pino, who was on, he's, he's a New York uh, character actor and was on like, Oh, law and order SVU for some of the later seasons. So they, you know, talk to him in the principal's office, uh, Evan Hansen and say that, you know, this is what they found. And Evan Hansen, before he can say, well, that's his letter. Um, Amy Adams's uh, character basically, you know, wants to hear whatever she does to in order to you know fill that void and and not feel so grief-stricken and feels like at least she you know this this kid had somebody in his life to confide in and so from there um you know things escalate in a kind of snowball kind of way where they just get out of hand but um they also morph into a weird um kind of you know, faux family that Evans always wanted and he's manipulative. He's self-absorbed. Um, he handles the situation in a way that, you know, some people would argue that, you know, it's very much like a teenager, even though he does not look like a teenager ever. I think um, that's one of the biggest problems, right? Is yeah. like, you know, you can kind of excuse some behavior when you're of a certain age before you kind of mature and know better. And sometimes if you can get in over your head and you can, and I get that that's what they're trying to do here. Um, and you know, if he really is supposed to be what, 16, 17 years old, or he's, I think they're applying to college. So probably around 17, right? Yeah. Um, like you can kind of go, okay, you can make a mistake, but he goes so deep into this lie that you go, okay, maybe I would have given you like, a third of what you actually do before I would have been like, all right, you got to then realize like you're in too deep. You got to get out of this yourself. And then on top of that, which you just mentioned, like Ben Platt, like I know guys, yeah, we're going to dunk on him over and over again, but it's just bad casting. Like I get you cast him because he's great in the stage show, but and he's familiar with the material. And the, Yeah. But then that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like you don't have to do that. Like this is supposed to be a different adaptation of it. You don't need the guy who was in the stage show when it was made, what, seven years ago when he was 20. Um, like what year did that come out? Oh, 2015. So six years ago. Yeah. He was 21 when it first came out. Right. So like, I understand there, then you should have gotten someone who was in their early twenties or find a teenager too to do it. And then maybe you could connect with the character a bit more to understand that he's a bit over his head. But when he, 
and kind of go, okay, well, yeah, he should have known better, but he's young. But when you see Ben Platt there and he looks close to 30, like pushing 30, it just doesn't work. And you, you lose all sympathy for him because in your head, you're like, this guy should know better because he just looks like he's old enough to know better. So but he anyways. gets sucked into yeah. this, this, you know, con that he has created and he starts to enjoy it as well and indulge in it because he sees, you know, Connor's family as the family he's always wanted. And yeah, it gets even had, yeah. more creepy where he has, you know, this yearning for Connor's sister played by Caitlin Deaver. And then it becomes weirdly almost like incestual in in a, in a weird yeah. way, like faux incestual because he wants to be he wants to take over the role that Connor, you know, that role of had in the his brother. family but then he wants this romantic relationship and it all stems from how he felt about zoe who is caitlin deaver's character right like the yeah. movies hinges on that and how he feels at the beginning uh, and about, also going through his own sure uh, trauma and, and we depression. talked about that that's not really an ex it isn't it, it can be it, but it, you shouldn't use it as an excuse like you should still kind of like i get it's tough and and you know everyone deals with things in their own way but um it it shouldn't the movie does such a weird job of taking the focus away from connor um and, and his life and what led him to suicide and, and just focuses so much on the evan hansen character and like we keep saying like it just there's nothing sympathetic there even though he's dealing with his own shit and you know it is awful but like it, it is really no excuse and then the further and further he gets into this and into this lie um you kind of just Again, it's so hard to kind of sympathize with that character and he ends up just coming across as like horrible. And and then going into some of the if I can take the reins here for yep. a sec, Eric, like the music, you talked about the incestuous thing with the sister. And like it's just because there is a song in the movie where he's like singing uh, about the sister but he's saying the brother said these things about her but really it's Evan saying things because he's just basically co-opted and like uh, kind of, you know, took Connor's life and kind of sprinkled some things that he feels to say to this family. And there's, it just feels so tonally awkward with each song that happens. And I think when you're dealing with such serious subject matter like this, <clears throat> putting it into a musical where the songs fear, feel weirdly tonally off to what that subject matter is, whether it's, you know, a weird song where he's singing about the sister from the brother's perspective, but it's really his perspective. And then you get kind of creepy serial killer vibes <clears throat> from that. Or you get like a uh, thing where he's faking emails uh, about, you know, his friendship with this guy. And you have the kid who just killed himself um, singing and dancing in like a goofy kind of way based on like making up they're writing the letters and he's singing them as they're kind of writing them and editing them so it has this kind of comedic vibe to it and this is moments after you kind of find out this kid killed himself and it just it's just bizarre tonally and it's it's so sincere but then at the beginning i'm like it feels like a pitch black comedy to me where i'm like this is really dark subject matter that it, it almost seems like you're not taking it serious and then it goes in the other realm where it's taking it so seriously that it almost kind of comes full circle and feels insincere uh, by the end of it. And it's just, it, it feels like it's all over the place. And I just, it, it was kind of baffling 
to kind of watch. And I just, uh, I don't know. There's very little that feels redeeming. And it, it just, it almost felt offensive by the end of it, of how it portrayed some of these things. Oh, I think, I think it is offensive. And yeah. I think that like, it's so self-serious and self-congratulatory with how it's portraying suicide and sort of bringing and awareness mental health, yeah. and mental health and thinking that it's advocating for these things when in fact it's portraying them in a way that's stigmatizing and it kind of boxes them into this corner that turns it into you know uh, an opportunistic ideal for the filmmakers to you know present it as a prestigious awards baity kind of movie that you look at it, it's like okay we have you know the actor from the original uh stage production we have all these great actors in you know supporting roles from julianne moore playing uh evan hansen's mom to you know amy adams and both of which were also in the horrible joe wright movie <laughs> together earlier this year the woman in the window and which is also really disappointing because you think two big movie stars like that who are two great actors you know, striking out twice in two separate films, it's just disappointing because you, you, you know, like you want like a, a Pacino and De Niro moment with yeah. them. That's on par with them as actors. And, well, and you never get that. And it's just, yeah. And Steven Chbosky, who is the director, you know, he, he <laughs> has handled his own, you know, material adapting the perks of being a wallflower and even to a lesser extent, uh, wonder with more sensitivity and care where this feels more like a work for hire, but the work for hire, you know, it's like, okay, well you, you know, dabbled in, you know, the teen drama or the teen angst movie before. So we'll hire you to do this. Yeah. And, and the film does a lot of stopping and starting when the musical numbers sort of hit where it's like, okay, the film is a musical, but then it goes back to being it you know, starts classic with, drama yeah it starts with a big song at the beginning then i could have sworn eric for like 35 minutes there was no music like at the beginning of the movie it's probably less than that but it felt like a long enough time right at the beginning of the movie where i'm like wait this is a musical and then there hasn't been a song in way too long and then they'll have like two songs in a row and then they'll have a big chunk of the film that has no music. And I get that it's not a sung through musical. I'm not exactly, again, Eric and I haven't seen the stage show. Um, so maybe they're taking, you know, something I, we were talking about on the way home too, of, of, you know, I think the best stage adaptations, you know, take what they did on stage and, and make something cinematic out of them. Well, I think this is pretty much a straight up ad, uh, adaptation, but you do get elements of, that throughout the movie whether it's some flashbacks or cross-cutting of a different scene that you wouldn't actually get on stage and i mentioned that song where they're kind of writing emails about one another but um i lost my train of thought but what were you saying right before well this? i want to i want to mention that as well with adapting yeah. not even just movie musicals but sort of you know, stage to screen adaptations in general. Last year, we both really loved The Father, Florian Zeller's film. And he was able to take his stage adaptation and yeah, adapt it and, and sort of, you know, make it into a film and use the language of film in a different way from what 
the stage, you know, was and, and found that clever conceit in order to tell a really powerful story about someone whose mind is slowly slipping away mm-hmm. and how devastating that is. There's nothing emotionally devastating in this film other than it takes advantage. It takes emotionally a... devastating things and porch puts them on screen, but there's yeah. nothing emotionally devastating about it. Yeah. I would say the closest scenes to being somewhat moving or at least thoughtful uh one of which we actually talked about uh on the ride home uh with uh the amandala uh, stenberg character who is somebody from you know evan's perspective has it all is popular is successful Mm -hmm. is smart is going places um but she is suffering in silence and you know those who suffer in silence are anonymous and there's a song that she sings a you know, about I think that. probably the most impactful song in the movie and the most nuanced thing that they're kind of, if you can say that, but like, yeah, I will say this of... though as well. The Caitlin Deaver song, I think actually is, I, I don't know if it completely works, but the idea of when somebody passes away unexpectedly, we put them on a pedestal or we don't look at them as people. We, we, we only have nice things to say because, you know, like there's that saying, you know, don't speak ill of the dead, but you also have to realize that sometimes not everybody is nobody's perfect. And, you know, the way that she talks about Connor being abusive is something that does, doesn't mean that it should go away or it shouldn't be not talked about because, you know, and she then I went feel through like some problems with him. And even that point is kind of hypocritical to what the movie is portraying. When you have this character, uh, Evan Hansen, that it, doesn't really suffer many consequences for his actions. And you talked about, you know, there's nothing really super emotional in the movie, even though it's showing you things that should be emotionally devastating. It kind of just, you know, we're supposed to cheer for this guy and and I'm not going to spoil the movie or anything like that, but like, you know, by the final act, you're kind of just like, Oh, this, they're just wrapping things up, huh? And they're just not really like everything. They never go deep enough into anything. And Connor's whole story, it just feels like, you know, Evan's kind of doing the same thing that you just talked about, where he's kind of being an asshole. And like you just said, it's kind of, it's interesting that her, the sister calls out her brother who passed away for that. And and she's struggling with these feelings as he passed away. And then the Evan Hansen character, we're just supposed to kind of be like, well, he also is have he has a tough life and he feels bad and by the end of all of this it kind of just like again they show you a little bit of what he's trying to do to uh you know pay atone. for his sins yeah atone for his sins perfectly but it's so quick and it's so like well now I should do something you know good to make and even in that moment it almost just feels self-serving of like I need to feel better about this so I need to do this and then show this to other people anonymously um because it'll make me feel better even in the end and then the whole movie just feels hypocritical um of what it's trying to portray um and then the movie itself is kind of doing what evan is doing in the movie and and that's just what's frustrating about the whole thing where yeah i agree with you that the um, amandla stemberg song is good the caitlin deaver song is good and they're both pretty good in the movie um uh, well, again. it's just a shame because someone like Caitlin Deaver, who, you know, is amazing, was an amazing discovery in short term 12, uh, great in book smart, um, is is doing really good work right now. And, and, and 
it's just a shame that it feels like a you know a performance where she's completely committed and, and has a good singing voice is just wasted on a bad film or a film that's mm-hmm. so misguided in terms of what it's trying to represent and turning Evan Hansen at the end into a martyr just does not work because the guy is so despicable and unlikable and there's nothing wrong with having an unlikable protagonist but commit to that yeah and and like this film is too afraid to be you mentioned before satirical or dark and the film i kept thinking about that actually you know went that extra mile is the robin williams bobcat goldweight film uh world's best dad and yeah. that also deals with is it um, world's greatest dad or best dad uh world i think it's the world's maybe it's the world's greatest dad it's it's been a while since i've seen it but there's a scene in that film that <clears throat> almost to a t feels very similar to world's greatest dad world's greatest dad that feels similar to moments in the film that inspire sort of you know a false kind of um pity and and sincerity in the robin williams character but at the same time you kind of understand where he's coming from and how things kind of escalate and you know go out of control and you just feel like or even someone trying to kind of protect the legacy of their family even or someone like again i i don't remember the movie specifically but i know I'm on the Wikipedia page and it was coming back to me like his done his son in that movie dies in a not embarrassing way. But then he tries to kind of even though but that movie commits to him being kind of not awful, which is something we talked about, but it commits to that satirical tone that is very dark, but almost at least commits to that and has something more to say. Absolutely. And and again, like you feel like in the moment that Robin Williams's character makes a decision in terms of, you know, how he's going to tell other people what happened, you know, that like he's digging that hole that he can't get out of. And it is interesting that we watch this and a hero today where you have characters put in situations where it becomes increasingly more uh, difficult uh, to get out of and things just escalate. But I know, spoiler alert you didn't love a hero as much as i did but i think that you can see that you know it's night and day in terms of how these filmmakers you know approach that subject matter and and see these characters where you know the protagonist in a hero is a more sympathetic person even though he is very flawed where evan hansen is handscum no yeah (laughs) yeah and they just rely so much on the you know fake emotion of well he's going through a lot that you're just supposed to excuse him of everything that he does because he's struggling as well which i think is serious and uh, you know uh, but you that to me that's just not you can't just be like well you know he's struggling so by the end of it you kind of have to feel for him and i'm like no sorry you don't you needed to work a little harder for me to get to that point you can't just throw that at me and just make me by the end okay sure (laughs) like no that's not how it works so um yeah it just it, it falls completely flat and um and again going back to the music like i said it was totally weird when they would break out into song when it was such serious subject matter and I'm, I'm not saying you can't have a musical about something very very serious but like um the songs themselves like we talked about the you know the two songs by the the two uh female kind of leads in the movie but um it's just 
I I can't, a lot of it sounded the same, which is, I think a point that you brought up too, where it's not even like, um, and Ben Platt has a good singing voice and like, yeah, like that's, that is, that is something that we should also say. I think everybody in this movie can sing. It's not like Mamma Mia where Pierce Brosnan is cast because of name recognition alone. And then when he starts singing, it's almost ironically. Like Amy Adams, Julianne Moore is great. Like everyone who sings in the movie is, um, pretty good i, I want to say the guy who played connor murphy like the colton ryan um you know his sequences even if i thought they were strange um he's good as well so like it's not necessarily the musical performances that you know hinder the movie although none of the music really stood out to me to be like super memorable other or than how it's integrated it. in the yeah. script like it doesn't feel like again we talked about this where the script writing a musical whether it be an adaptation or from scratch is really difficult to do because you're interweaving these songs into the narrative and knowing how to organically kind of shoehorn them in when, you know, you have these big moments. And then on top of that, how the director films them. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of that, how they're edited, it all plays a part in sort of, you know, matching the time and the rhythm of the song and the performer and, so much can go wrong and clearly here it does where it just is and it's just not interesting like if if they had at least one song that was kind of you know a a hook to get you invested in it or something to take away there's not that like i mean even though we didn't love in the heights in the heights the 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 main sort of opening number is a really well done number and and a good song it's just that this doesn't have any of that and and it does also feel dated from the that period and also you know with la la land having done so well it almost feels like you're starting to get that effect of you know studios finally releasing all of these musical adaptations that they've been waiting for years since right Yeah. yeah and and like even wicked is you know supposedly going to be in production finally this year and it's been you know a long time coming since that has been sort of optioned by universal to be made which also released this uh to in into to uh production and so it just it's a real shame and it just again like there are moments where you can't help but laugh when Ben Platt is singing to, you know, the, the Murphy family and is almost In times you should not be laughing. Yeah. But Cause it like... almost feels like he's a serial killer getting ready to, you know, stalk his prey and pull out an ax and, and, and yeah, his eyes are very, on them. his eyes are very bizarre yeah. in a lot of the music. And you mentioned the wig and the makeup. And well, it's the just way he like, moves his body too, the posturing, yeah. it feels like it's over, like it's, it's so self-aware. Like he's, he's so concerned with every movement. And, and it goes back to the stagey thing that you're talking that we, and I, I know maybe we sound like a broken record and a lot of these, but then I think there's a reason that maybe we loved Hamilton, uh, on Disney Plus. Guess what? Because you put a camera on the stage, you can do fun, creative things with camera work, record three different versions of the show, edit it together so you get camera angles you would never be able to see on uh, Broadway and uh, if you're seeing it live and things like that. And then that's an interesting, fun way of of showcasing a Broadway show. But once you take it and just adapt it on screen, they're two completely different mediums. And even in its storytelling, I think a lot of stagey storytelling and even the way people act in the songs and the way that the stage is all has to be so bombastic and so over the top because you got to hit the people that are sitting in the nosebleeds in the third balcony or whatever. It's and like projection, it's, right? it's projection and like everything is a little bit 
you know, that's, that's why a lot of musicals come off as corny. This never comes across as corny. Um, but a lot of them come across as corny, at least to me personally. Um, because when you adapt them to screen, it just doesn't translate well because people are overacting. The story is super in your face and overt and like, and, and, you know, surface level and, and, but they're just throwing so much at you as well. Like this movie tackles you know online bully every form of like mental illness kind of thing people deal with within the last kind of you know 10 15 years they throw at you in this movie and i feel like that's the staginess of it his his makeup his hair the way that he's projecting like i'm even getting more animated as i'm i'm talking here it's just because that's how it comes across to me and i feel like when you don't kind of like figure out how to translate it well to you know, the form of, you know, a feature film and not a stage show. It just, you can do all the editing tricks. You can have flashbacks. You can have sequences that you would never be able to have on stage. But then in the end, you're just adapting a stage musical and it just doesn't necessarily work. And if you want people, because like, again, another thing that I argue a lot about is people who are like, well, they can just play the video game or they can just watch the stage show if you like when things are getting adapted, like any adaptation or they can just read the book. Why don't you read the book? No, I want to watch a movie. I don't want to read the book. I don't like reading books. And if it's um, being made, I think that th there's an obligation by the studio, by the filmmakers, by the screenwriters, by the original creators to look at that from the point of view of, OK, this is this can't be just a a. a, a straight you know, up simplistic adaptation, adaptation. Yeah. it need you need to do something different in order for it to, to make it one worthwhile and work in the medium that you're making it in because i'm i will always be a proponent of no i'm i want it to be turned into a movie or a tv show or whatever because you know what now i can share this with my sister because i was never going to go see dear evan hansen it, it came to toronto but i just don't go see many stage shows there are ones here and there that i go see and i always enjoy it um because it's a very different medium i'm sure maybe if i saw dear evan hansen i'd kind of be a little bit more forgiving in some of its storytelling or that it's well, you saw book I of still, mormon right yeah yeah and i love book of mormon but i and and i'd be open to it becoming a movie because i want to share that with someone who hasn't been able to go, or if you live in a small town or you can't go to Toronto or you don't have the money to go do it. Um, like there's a plethora of reasons. I will always say, yes, I'm all for making a theatrical adaptation of whatever, um, because it gives me another thing that I can share with someone who loves the other version of it, where I might not necessarily love that medium, but I love this medium and now I can share it with them or whatever. Or just give um, us a stage version. That's like, and that's what I mean right? though. So you can do it in a way where you make it more accessible to people, but you do it and stay true to, you know, the stage show by showcasing why it was special on stage. And then that kind of stuff, that bombastic over the top is more like, you know, I can kind of appreciate it more in a stage format. That's you're then being creative with how you shooting it, but it's still on stage rather than trying to take it and, and put it on screen and, I think that layer of realism um, and that, you know, suspension of disbelief kind of, you know, breaks once you root it in a world that doesn't have that. I know it's fake when I go see it 
uh, on stage, right? The, yeah. the sets are fake. Like I understand you, you buy into that, but when you put it on screen and set it in quote unquote reality, even though everything Evan sings and the people in this movie sing are supposed to be, you know, the spoken word, whether it's a speech or, or just a conversation or things like that. Like I, I get that. Like I understand what they're going for, but when they break out into song and mid sentence in a movie that's dealing with some of this stuff and set in a world where it's not a stage, it's life. Um, it just feels weird and it feels inappropriate at times. And it just, and, and then that's why it doesn't land emotionally is because I just like, I don't know the way that he just comes across as an asshole or he comes across as manipulative or like, and then that's why I couldn't connect with his, you know, illness he's suffering because like he breaks into a fun song and it's just like, I don't know. That's where the disconnect is with me. And I, that's why I don't think this movie works at all. <laughs> like it just doesn't work at all. And it's, it, it was baffling. And like, I hate, I hate being those guys too, that, you know, come out. It's the big opening night movie at TIFF. And, you know, I, I, I hate guys. I hate when we don't like a movie, when we hate something like I hate it as well. Like I wanted to love it. Uh, yeah. I love dunking on how old he looks. That's fun. That's funny. It's, but it also, it's like, also a, a, a fair mm, criticism yeah. after having watched the film that it is so distracting. Oh, it was he doesn't, he doesn't look before. like a real person. No. That's the biggest problem. It's not necessarily that he's even thing. old. It feels like he's in he a clown looks, costume. Yeah. It, it like, you know, the curly, colorful wigs clowns wear. And then we talk about this all the time on the regular show that old asshole. age it's makeup like... is the worst when it comes to representing, you know, an age demographic and aging up, you know, a, a younger actor. This is the same exact thing. It doesn't he doesn't look like a real person. He looks like Stewie from Mad TV. You know, like if you were to put Mike McDonald in that role as dressed as Stewie, he would fit in or integrate in the same exact manner as, you know, Evan Hansen, you know, just maybe a little bit stranger, but like, it, it, it's just, it's I'm so, looking, I'm looking at Stewie now. <laughs> oh God. Um, oh, but yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's so hard to take seriously. And I, and I understand that like, it was fun to dunk on it, but then when you see it in the movie, I went in with an open mind and it just doesn't work. They should no. have cast someone more age appropriate. And I know I'm looking at the ages of everyone they cast around him. Yeah. They're all in their mid twenties, but they all look young compared to and him. They don't and have like, prosthetics or, or wigs. They just, they just, again, like, yeah, he would have had a five o'clock shadow or maybe looked a little bit older. But if you took that makeup off and that wig off, at least he would look like a human being. And that would be better than having a character that looks like he's going to audition for, you know, House 3 or something like that, which is like this really bad horror movie with all these weird creatures. He almost weirdly looks like Emperor Palpatine a little bit with like <laughs> kind of like the bloating of the face the way, and the white makeup. That's yeah. Kind of, or the white kind of yeah, pastiness like, of especially it. in a big screen which i made the joke about it being an imax um on twitter the other day but like i think you're really oh my context starting to mess up karma um you really can see the caked on makeup like you can see how eric and i like i can't grow a great beard but if i shaved and even by the evening or and i'm 32 okay and yeah uh not chris pratt god ben platt um you can play 17 <laughs> i mean by this point like i i just like 
you can tell it's so obvious that, and we're repeating ourselves, but it's so obvious that they. It's just baffling, though, that like these five o'clock shadow. Yeah, these things um, weren't considered by the studio. Like this was like they saw this movie and were like, I mean, his dad's a producer. His dad produced the stage show, like Mark Platt. Yeah, like it's you know, and it is what it is. But like you, you think someone. You know, the production company is Mark Platt Productions. And so like I, I it was inevitable. So right. it's just like, but you should have maybe made it the year after it premiered if it was such a huge hit while he was still age appropriate. Or 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 Eric, we'll wrap up in a second, everyone. Should have just de-aged him. Just did bump the budget up to two hundred million dollars and just completely irishman him even let's get weta like, into this movie. yeah like get weta in get james cameron in here just go okay ben platt you're 27 we need to make you look like you're 16 james cameron's um, like we also made a navi version of him just in case for avatar like, 6 i get that i don't i like to think i don't look that much different than i did when i was 16 um but i shared a photo of me and you from tiff 10 years ago or nine years ago we definitely look different. Oh, so yeah. Like, I look like a bloated, um, disgusting corpse. Now or then? Oh, uh, <laughs> both. But for different reasons. No, I know. We like you. It's just it's funny. the only way um, this movie works is if you look at it from the point of view of it being a sequel to old. You know, uh, Evan Hansen went on a summer went, vacation yeah. to uh, the old beach and came back looking yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's the only way that movie works. broke his arm escaping. Um, anyways, guys, you can tell we're passionate though. It's day one of TIFF. We're, uh, you know, it's opening night. We're trying to get it all out. Um, but anyways, I- I'll take a wild misfire. That's kind of fun to talk about over most middle of the road stuff, I guess. But like, I don't, it's really not good. I'm going to give it a one and a half. And it's not even good in the, like, it's not even ironically a bad. bad yeah. Like, cats, I said, where I said, like, so a, ridiculous. Yeah. Cause at first I thought it was going to go there where I'm like, oh, this is going to be an unintentionally funny pitch black comedy because it's about very serious, you know, dark things, but I shouldn't be laughing at it, but I am. Um, but then it kind of just, you know, that loses its kind of, you know, fun. A little bit in, and it's not fun at all. But you're just kind of like, oh my god! And then it ends up just being bad. So yeah, one and a half for me. I'm gonna give it a one. I thought it was pretty bad. Love it. I love it. Spicy. We're starting diff off with some spicy takes, and I love it. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you are intrigued by this nonsense, uh, you can check out all of our tiff reviews um over on Untitled Movie Reviews on podcast services or right here on YouTube. If you're watching the video version, hit subscribe, hit that notification bell. You'll get all of our tiff reviews. We already have uh, a bunch up that you guys can uh watch or listen to right now. Uh Eric already mentioned uh, a hero. Uh, you can check out a review for that. Uh, T10, the Midnight Madness opener. So we covered both opening night films for Midnight Madness and regular TIFF. Um, we got a review up for M- Memoria or Memoria. Still trying to figure out what the proper way of saying that title is. And I think that's it right now. Uh, right? Night Raiders. Oh, and Night Raiders. Thanks. We just yeah. put that up this morning. Already loopy, as you guys can tell by this review. Oh, yeah. So it should be fun. Um each day and uh, Eric and I are going to get home way too late. Uh, we're going to record these way too late. 
Uh, we're going to be very tired. So you're going to get day. incoherent reviews, which, right? Which I feel so like we did, regu- yeah. Regular so, reviews, um, and usually we'll we'll keep it a little shorter than this. Um, but this but needed to be dissected needed, and discussed. It's the opening night movie, baby. Because we were go. disgusted by. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, go check out our uh, Letterboxed HQ, Untitled Underscore Movies. Uh, all of our reviews and everything will be over there. Uh, follow Eric and I on social media. We'll be given little reactions, uh, social reactions after we go out, get out of each movie. So uh, I'm at Matt Rohrbeck. He's EM6211. Um, until next time. Way to go, Evan Hansen, for making it all about you. <laughs>